Here at Doxadea Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, hello and welcome to week three of this series called Exhibit His Glory. Now, if you've missed the first two weeks, the, the basic concept of what we're busy uh, speaking about uh, in this series is about the glory of God and the fact that we have been made to exhibit and to showcase the glory of God. Now, if you've missed this in week one, we spoke about this word glory, asking the question, what is the glory of God? Now, if I say the, the word glory, you might have a certain picture in your mind, a certain experience that you might have had at church. And uh, what we basically spoke about is that this word glory is, an, in, in, the, in the Hebrew uh, language, this word is actually uh, called kabot or kavot. And this word glory refers to a weightiness or a heaviness. And so when we speak about the glory of God, we're actually speaking about the significance or the, the weight of who God is. Now, I think the best way that, that I can explain this is if you think about our planets, uh, the moon is orbiting around the earth because the earth is heavier and weightier and more significant than the moon. And it has a gravitational pull that makes the moon orbit around the earth. In the same way, the earth can actually fit into the sun, I think, uh, 3.6 million times. The sun is, is more heavy and more weighty than the earth. It is, it is of greater significance, and therefore, because of the gravitational pull, the earth is busy orbiting around the sun. Now, in the same way, uh, scientists actually explain that in our galaxy, the Milky Way, in our galaxy, right at the center of our galaxy, they speak about the galactic uh, center. It sounds like something from a Star Wars episode or Star Wars movie. Um, but speaking about the galactic center, they say right in the middle, there is this black hole that is so heavy, they call it a supermassive black hole. It's like they couldn't come up with, you know, fancy words. They ran out of uh, cool words to, to name this thing, so they just called it supermassive. Massive referring to the mass that it has. Right at the middle of our galaxy, and everything is or in our galaxy is orbiting around the center, around the weight that is in the middle. If you think about our whole creation, all of the thousands of galaxies that are out there, all of them are actually orbiting around something or rather someone that is of even greater significance, even heavier, of greater glory. And that is God, the one that spoke creation into being and nothingness obeyed his voice and became something. That is the most a glorious thing in our universe is God himself. He is the heavy one. He is the weighty one. And so we spoke about this idea that God is the glorious one and everything in creation is as it should be whenever it orbits around the most significant thing, when we all orbit around God. The problem, however, is that God gave us free will and we can decide whether or not our lives will orbit around God or not. You know what the problem is in this world? Is whenever anything in this life does not orbit around God, who is actually the heavy one, things get broken. Things become a mess. And whenever an individual's life 
does not orbit around God himself. You know what the result is? The result is, is a spiritual lostness. A person is lost when their life is not orbiting around God. Not only this, it's actually far worse than this. If you think about the relationships that we stand in, personal relationships with your family, or even relationships between different races or ethnicities in, in our world, whenever those relationships, when God is not at the center of those relationship, relationships, the result is pain. And in the same way, if you think about the systems that govern society, if you think about culture, there is a brokenness to it. And the answer is that it should orbit around God. And that is why in Doxodeo we've got um, this verse, Habakkuk 2 verse 14, that explains that, 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 uh, that the knowledge of the glory of God or the significance of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Now the point I want to make with that is that the answer to the lostness in our world, the answer to the, 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 the pain in our world as well as the brokenness in our world is when everything in this life, everything that we see in our life, when it starts revolving around God, when it starts orbiting God, when the knowledge of the significance of the weight of God is known in all areas of life, then lostness can be addressed, pain can be addressed as well as brokenness. Now, as a church, we believe, and that's what we'll be speaking about for the next three weeks, is we're going to be speaking about these three concepts, faith, love, and hope. We believe that the answer that God has given us to bring to this world, to the problems of this world, is to introduce faith in a lost world, and also to bring the love of God in a world that is, is hurting, and also to bring hope, the hope of glory into a broken world. Now for the next few weeks, we're going to be discovering these three words, faith, love, and hope. Today, uh, the focus of this sermon will be faith. Well, what does it mean to bring faith or to introduce faith into a world that is lost? Now, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 4 to 6, um, explains the following. Let me share that scripture with you. It says, uh, For the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel. And so if you ask yourself the question, what is the gospel about? The gospel is this. It is the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Our message, our gospel, the good news that we bring to the world, is the glory of Christ. It is the significance of Christ. It is the weightiness of Jesus Christ. You see, the, the, the same person that spoke creation into being, that all of creation is busy orbiting around, that God, Jesus, is of the same substance. He is in the image of God. He also has that significance and that weight. And so in other words, the, 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 the faith that we bring to our city is a faith in this Jesus. Now, it's very important um, to maybe say this, is that the answer for our city is not faith by itself. Because you see, I can have faith in myself. And that is not the answer. If we keep on telling people, just believe in yourself, that is not a good solution to the lostness that people are experiencing in this city. If we tell people to believe in a government, that is not a good answer. Many people do put their faith in government or in themselves. 
Or some people put their faith in other people, in other family members or in, 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 in friends. Your faith cannot be in anything else than Christ himself. Our answer, what we bring to the city, the solution that God has given us, is not faith by itself, but it is the object of our faith, which is the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Our answer is a faith in Christ. The message we bring to our city is not faith. It is faith in Christ. Now, what is faith? Faith, in essence, is trust. It is, it is to utterly rely on Christ with your life. It is to trust Christ. It is to allow your life to start orbiting around Christ. Then you've put your faith in Christ. And so the point that I want to make there is that it's not about faith itself. It's about the object of our faith, who is Jesus. It's not about great faith in Jesus. No, no, it's just normal faith in a great Jesus. That is the answer to the lostness of our city. Now, this message of faith in Jesus Christ, who is the hope of glory, um, uh, Christ himself, who is the image of God, this message has been given to us. God has decided to make us a part of his solution to the world by bringing a message of putting your faith in Jesus uh, to our city. And so how do we do this? How do we practically do this? Now, let's read together from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 21. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, 21 says the following. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Basically, what this is saying is that once we put our faith in, in Christ, we become a new creation. We are actually restored to our original design, what we were created for, to rule and have authority in this life. But it has to start with faith in Jesus. Then, from that place, being new creation, we can start loving the world in a new way, and also we can bring hope to a broken world in a new way. Then it goes on, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 uh, verse 18 says, All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us. Let's just pause there for a moment. He gave us, he gave me and he gave you the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us. He has committed to us. He gave us and he's committed to us, to you and to me, the message of reconciliation, that God is reconciling himself to humanity, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, and he has committed to us the, reconcili uh, the, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, this is so important for you to understand, we, myself and you, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We represent Christ on this earth. We bring the solutions of Christ to our city as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, to God. The point I want to make here is that this message of reconciliation, this message of put your faith in Jesus, He is the beginning of your answer. He is your answer. That message, the gospel, the good news that Jesus is the answer to your problems, to your lostness, 
He is the way back to God. That message, God has decided to give it to you and to me. The gospel is as simple as this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Christ is our answer. When we bring faith to our city, it is a message of put your faith in Jesus. Your life should be about Jesus. It should orbit around the person of Jesus. That is how we find our way back to the Father. That is how we get reconciled back to our Creator and when we can start living new lives. Now, it's so important that we understand as a church that our mission is more than this, but it's not less. What I mean by this is as a church, we are not like a rescue boat that only exists to tell people, you know, come to salvation and, and, and only preach a gospel so that people can get saved as if it's this ticket to heaven that you get. And then we just passively wait for the rest of our lives until one day we go back to Jesus or go to heaven. You see, the, the Christian life is about more than just believing in Jesus in order to get a ticket to heaven. It's about more than that but it's also not less. So our message is more than just faith in Christ that reconciles us to the Father, but it is also that now that we have been reconciled, we are called to love in a new way, to bring hope to this world. While we are on this planet, God has given us a mission. That is what we believe the full gospel is. And we're going to get into that in week, uh, the next week and the week after that. We're going to speak more about what does it look like to bring love to our city and also bring hope uh, to our city. But it's important that we understand this is not uh, the, the, the totality of what we are called to do as a church. But as a church, this is where it starts. As a church, we need to exist for the non-members. The church is the only organization in the world that exists for its non-members. We are here for those who do not know Christ yet so that we can call them and, and God make his appeal on humanity through us. And we say, be reconciled with God through Christ. That is our mission as a church. Now, if you read the book of Acts, now Acts basically tells the story of the early church and how this gospel movement, this, this, this uh, church of Jesus, people that follow Jesus, how it actually exploded um, and just spread across the whole world. If you read that and you think of a statement that I quickly want to share with you, and I'm sure that you've heard this statement and maybe at one point you thought this is in the Bible. I want to tell you this is not in the Bible, but I've heard many people in church and even outside of church, say the following. They say, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Let me just say this. Jesus never said that. And none of the disciples that followed him ever said that. Now we understand the heart behind that is that we never want to be Christians or a church that only, you know, speaks about faith in Jesus, but we never show any love to our city. We never bring any hope in any practical sense to our city. Uh, you know, we never want to be those kind of Christians or a church like that. But most certainly use words when you share the gospel. You see, the mystery for me is that this, this, this hope that God is actually bringing to this world starts off with a message. It is a message that we speak. It is a message that we invite people into. It actually makes a lot of sense if you think about it. God spoke creation into being. 
So it was words that literally formed a new reality. Now in the same way, Jesus came and he proclaimed, he spoke a new kingdom into reality. And now when we go out with a message and we speak and we proclaim and we invite people, we are starting a new reality for some people. As soon as they put their faith in Christ, they are new creations. And so it starts with a word. It's not preach the gospel if necessary, use words. No, no, no. We will certainly use words. But most certainly, we always want to back our words with actions also. Now, thinking about the book of Acts, if you just read their story, uh, you would understand that even the whole New Testament, it is this idea of sharing a message about a person, Jesus, calling others to also put their faith into Jesus. These disciples or early followers of Jesus, they, they discovered something in Jesus that they couldn't keep quiet about it. They wanted to invite everyone into it. Luke, writing the gospel of Luke and then writing the book of Acts, he's busy trying to explain to other people why he's so obsessed about Jesus and why they should also be. In the beginning of Luke, he explains this. And, and uh, Luke 1, chapter, uh, 1 verse 8, um, sorry, Acts 1 verse 8, it, it explains where, where the Holy Spirit comes down. And when the Holy Spirit comes down with power, they go out and they start proclaiming this new kingdom. They start calling people to be reconciled with God, their creator, through Jesus. Then Acts chapter 2 is the famous sermon where Paul, uh, Peter was speaking many, many words. He was preaching and he called people to be reconciled to God through Jesus. 3,000 people came to salvation. The church grew by 3,000. I'm always fascinated, fascinated by that because I'm... Um, uh, I realized that someone counted. You know, it was important to someone how many people were coming into the kingdom of God. Oftentimes we say things like, you know, uh, the numbers don't matter. Well, I think the numbers do matter in the kingdom of God. They matter because they represent lives. And we want to see many, many people come into the kingdom of God. And so Peter preaches, 3,000 people come to salvation. Acts chapter 3, he goes on, he walks past a, a layman that asks him for money. He says, gold and silver I do not have, but in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk, man. And then they start asking Peter, in whose authority did you heal this man? And he says, it was by faith in the name of Jesus. That is our answer to our city. It is faith in the name of Jesus that we have to proclaim. Then Peter and John get into trouble because they were proclaiming this Jesus that got crucified just two months before this, and they wanted to probably kill Peter and John also. But Peter is full of the Holy Spirit, and he explains to them that salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. Do you understand the clarity of our message as a church, we are not a non-profit organization. We're not just another NGO that tries to do a bit of charity. We will do lots and lots of good. But our message is clear that there is salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. Faith in Jesus is where it all starts. That's where it all starts. Acts chapter 5 is a beautiful uh, uh, scripture in Acts 5 verse 42 um, and explains these uh, disciples that they were probably persecuted for their faith. And it says the following, day after day, so wherever they went, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house. 
So not only at church, but also from house to house, wherever they went, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the answer. We will never ever stop proclaiming and teaching people that their answer lies in the person, the completed work of Jesus. He is the Messiah. Now, what we learn from the book of Acts and these early followers, that they were deliberate and they were strategic. Think of a guy like Paul. Um, later on, uh, I think it's Acts uh, chapter 6 and 7, we read about Stephen, and he's busy proclaiming this, you know, the name of Jesus, and he gets killed for it. He gets stoned because of this. And then when he got killed, there was a man, a Pharisee, that approved of this, and he had a lot to do with this guy's stoning, um, and his name was Saul. And then Saul saw the risen Christ, Christ revealed himself to him, and he became Paul. And Paul went on with this message of reconciliation. He wrote something like 14 or 13 of the New Testament books, 13 of the books in the New Testament Paul wrote, and also planted something like 14 different churches. He was strategic and deliberate to explain to people the message of Christ. You see, our mission, when it comes to our city, when it comes to what does it mean to bring faith to our city, is we are calling people to put their faith, their trust, their, their, their hope to allow their lives to orbit around this person, Jesus. We don't only bring faith, we bring faith in the person of Jesus. That is what we are called for as a church. Now, maybe as the last part of the sermon, I'm going to quickly speak about uh, how do we do this practically? Because, I mean, I read these scriptures and I think, man, I want to be like them. But how do I practically do this? I mean, what does it look like in the 21st century? Now, I quickly want to highlight something that we read in John chapter 1. And just explain to you how the church has always grown and how it will continue to grow in the 21st century. How it will continue to grow in our city in Bloemfontein. In John chapter 1, um, there's a part where the, John the Baptist um, he's busy baptizing people, and he sees Jesus coming down. And uh, he looks at Jesus, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. You see, John is pointing to Jesus. That's what we do as a church. That's what we always do. We never point to ourselves as the answer. Your answer is not a pastor or a family member or any other religious figure in your life. Your answer is the Lamb of God. It is Jesus. That's what we do as a church, as a church family. We point to Jesus. But I want to quickly read this passage a little bit further with you from verses 35 to 45. Um, and so it goes on. It says, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. They heard someone pointing to Jesus and they decided to follow Jesus also. Now, it goes on to say, one of the two had heard John speaking and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus brought him to Jesus. 
God uses people to bring other people to Jesus. Andrew went and found his brother, Simon, and brought him to Jesus. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. And so it seems like with Philip, Jesus found him directly and says, you come follow me. But then it goes on. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And then it goes on. Philip found Nathaniel. He went and found one of his friends. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him who Moses, uh, who Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then Nathaniel challenges him and he said to him, can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Come and see. That is still our invitation. Come and see. You see, when I read these names, it's interesting that, you know, all of them were called to Jesus, except for Philip. They were called by either a preacher, John the Baptist, or by a family member, a brother, Andrew, calling Simon, or a friend, Philip calling Nathaniel. Now, if I think about my own story and about so many other people's story in our church, it was they were called by maybe a preacher. They heard a preacher say, behold the Lamb of God, Jesus. He's the answer. But they were probably brought by a brother or a sister or a father or a mother or even a child bringing you to church. Or they were called by a friend. Think about my own life. I was in residence uh, at university, and I felt lost. Spiritually, I felt lost. And I remember at, at a party, one of my old school friends invited me. His name is Theo. He invited me. He said, Abel, come to church with me. Come and see. He wanted me to discover what he has discovered in the person of Jesus. So he invited me. My life changed. And then we started praying for my roommate at university, Darren. And there came a day where I invited him, and I said, Darren, come and see, come to church with me, come to community group with me. He went on and invited one of our other friends, Piet. And so the story goes on. It is people inviting other people. Now I'm pretty sure you also have a story. Let me ask you that story. Who invited you to church? I think in the 21st century, sometimes we can make it a lot more difficult than what it could be. Now I'm not saying this is the only way to preach the message of reconciliation to our city, but a very good way to start is invite someone along. Invite a family member or a friend along to church. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a church. Many, uh, many people I know, the way that they actually came into a faith community wasn't necessarily through church. It was through another type of ministry or friendship circle. At our church, we've got a thing happening on Fridays called Frisbee Friday. On Friday, we play Frisbee together. Um, that's a good place to invite someone to. They come play Frisbee with you, and later on they become friends with everyone. Finally, they come to church with you where someone is pointing them to Jesus or even one of their friends there. Uh, a week or two from now, we're going to have a movie night at church. Uh, the other day, uh, I heard about a, a Moms and Tots ministry happening at Central Campus. Um, and we've got men's ministry, women's ministry, so many things that are not necessarily happening on a Sunday, but so many activities happening at church where you can invite someone and say, just come with me. I want you to come and discover something that I have discovered. And along the, uh, on, the, on the road, someone walking with us, coming closer, they will see the Lamb of God and that Jesus is their answer. Let me ask you this question. Who's the next person? 
that you're going to invite to come and see. So many opportunities for us to invite our city. Now, in the book of Acts, they got persecuted because there wasn't the same kind of religious freedom uh, or even uh, freedom of speech that we have today. Today, it might look slightly different. I think today, instead of making enemies, what we should be doing in our city is we should be making friends. It's friendship evangelism. Make friends with people that don't know Jesus yet and invite them to come and see. I want to quickly end off with one last uh, scripture. Now, before I read the scriptures, it takes place in Acts chapter 4. Now, um, in this passage, it is straight after Peter and John were arrested. Um, and uh, everyone was afraid for their lives because they killed Jesus. They, called, they killed the one that all of them are busy following. And now they've arrested Peter and John and they're waiting for their trial. And the people that were part of this church, instead of just running away and being scared and say, you know what, we better stop sharing this message. You know what they did? They prayed for boldness, not for protection. They prayed for boldness that they will continue to share the message. Let me read that with you. Um, they came together and they said, Now, Lord, consider their threats, the threats of you know, the enemy, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. To speak your word with great boldness. Now, maybe today, as we end off now, I want to pray for boldness for you and for me, that we would have the boldness to be strategic and to be deliberate with our friendships and even with, with our, our relationships with some family members, that we will have the opportunity, that the Holy Spirit will give us the opportunity to invite someone to come and see. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, for anyone watching this now, I want to pray that you would give them boldness. Give them boldness to be strategic and also deliberate with their friendships, that they would have the opportunity. Would you come and give them an opportunity to invite someone to take one step closer to you, Jesus. They will come and see that you are, in fact, the Lamb of God and that you are our answer to address our distance from our Creator. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services. 